0: Hi, I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, BodyShot. We work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality, and performance and underpin well-being as a competitive advantage. Our solutions include a well-being portal, an audit service, bespoke guide, workshops, and leadership coaching. Find out more by visiting www.bodyshopperformance.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host Leanne Spencer, and this week's episode is around what to do if you've exercised late. So anything really from seven o'clock onwards in the evening. And I was inspired to record this because last night I had to move my schedule around so that I couldn't get onto the Peloton bike until about 10 to eight, which is a lot later than I would normally exercise. So I thought I'd record my tips for you if, if you can only exercise in the evening, whether it's on a routine basis or occasionally. Now, in a previous episode, which I'll link to in the show notes a few weeks ago, We put out an episode around what the best time of day to exercise is. So as a very quick recap, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. It's 10 minutes long. But as a quick recap, there are four things that peak in the mid to late afternoon. That is your grip strength, your protein synthesis, your testosterone and your body temperature. And those four things make around four o'clock or maybe five o'clock, the best time of day for most of us to exercise. Obviously, anything is a generalization. We're all very different and unique. And that's just from a physiological standpoint. What you then have to think about is your schedule. When can you fit it in? Because a workout's better than no workout, irrespective of what time of day it is. Um, what works with the rhythms of your household? There's no point in you saying, well, I know the kids have tea at five, half five, but that's the best time of day for me to exercise for my grip strength and my testosterone and everything else, because that may cause some conflict within your household. So you also need to work those things in availability of an exercise partner, if you have a personal trainer on their availability, etc. But that pretty much is the best time of day to exercise from a physiological perspective. Last night, my schedule changed. Um, I had no option but to either skip a workout altogether or to go and do um, my 30 minutes at about 10 to 8 in the evening. So here's what I did. And here's what I would suggest that you do if working out late is your only option. Because the, um, the reason for this, why this is important, is that exercise puts us into the sympathetic dominant nervous system state, which is uh, elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure, elevated cortisol, and so on, and even bringing blood sugar into the blood via glycogen released by the liver. All of that happens when we're in a sympathetically driven state, and that's not conducive to sleep. When we we sleep, when our head hits the pillow, we want to be in a parasympathetic driven state, which is rested and digested, lowered heart rate, lowered blood pressure, lowered cortisol. We don't want elevated blood sugar when we go to sleep because the drop that happens throughout the night can wake us up. So how do we get from sympathetic to parasympathetic if we've just done a workout, which is going to leave us in sympathetic? So here's what I would suggest in terms of your workout, construct it so that the hardest part, the really demanding part, whether that's from a strength or a cardiovascular perspective is done in the first part of the workout. So the second part of the workout is maybe some of the adverted commas, easiest stuff. By which I would mean maybe it's core work rather than compound lifts or rather than spinning, for example. So do the tough bit of the workout first and then get it to be progressively easier, particularly in terms of heart rate, into the second. And certainly by the last part of the workout, you really tapered down. So that is one thing. I would then suggest finishing that workout with two, five or even 10 minutes of breathwork and or meditation. And the reason for that is breathwork is, I think, one of the most powerful ways that you can get uh, yourself from sympathetic to parasympathetic. It's a very powerful way. In fact, I can demonstrate this. If ever the opportunity comes up, I will put a video out. Uh, When I was wearing the whoop band, which is a bit of wearable tech that you wear on your wrist, I could actually hold up my phone and you could see in real time what my uh, heart rate was, according to to the Whoop band, and I was able to to just hold that up in front of any audience, and breathe for about sixty to ninety seconds, and significantly reduce my heart rate. And I mean, from seventy five points to late forties, early fifties, and just sixty to ninety seconds. Very, very powerful. So, in terms of getting ourselves into that parasympathetic dominant state. Breath work is extremely effective. So, finishing with two, five, or up to 10 minutes of breath work or meditation. Meditation, I've used apps in the past like Oak, uh, like Calm.com, like Headspace.com, and now I use the meditation part of the Peloton app. But you can use anything. You can just set a time on your phone for two, five, or 10 minutes and breathe. Just hold the breath. So, slow inhalation hold for a second and an even longer exhalation. It's a very powerful way to get that heart rate down. The next thing I would suggest is taking a cold shower or a hot bath. So they're totally contradictory things. So why why that sort of apparent contradiction? Well, the cold shower will just get your body temperature down. It'll cool the blood that's come to the surface of the skin And it will help to send that cooler blood around the body to cool you down much quicker than you would otherwise. So a few tips for this. If you struggle with the idea of a cold shower, I can promise you the reality of it is far less than the apprehension. So just give it a whirl. But perhaps you get into a warm shower, go about the business of cleaning your body, and then you crank it onto cold for as long as you can. Get past the shivery, gaspy initial stage and just go with it for as long as you can. That's a great way to to start it off. Uh, otherwise you could splash cold water onto your face as an initial introduction but what I do now is just get straight into a cold shower and it came from necessity because about two months ago we had some boiler problems and there was no hot water so it got me back in the groove of taking a cold shower which I'm really grateful for um, the challenge of course will be maintaining that as we go into winter but one day, is, uh, one day at a time as they say so that's the idea behind a cold shower why a hot bath it's a complete opposite of a cold shower well what happens when we have a cold bath a hot bath sorry is that all the uh, the blood is brought to the surface uh, so that it can we can cool ourselves as quickly as possible once you get out of that bath so it draws heat away from the core and down to, and to the extremities into the surface of the skin so it has that effect of drawing heat away from your core and therefore cooling you down but whilst you can take a cold shower all the way up to bedtime, I wouldn't recommend a hot bath any sooner than sixty to ninety minutes before you plan to get into bed. So give your body that opportunity to to cool itself down. Uh, when, in terms of falling asleep, we need to, to our body temperature needs to drop slightly in order for us to get to sleep. So if your body temperature is elevated, you're going to struggle to sleep, and that's the importance of the cold shower or the hot bath. Either strategy works. If you're fortunate enough to have a sauna, we've got a one-man sauna in the back garden. That's great as well. But again, give yourself 60 to 90 minutes between the sauna and uh, and getting into bed. And the last thing you might want to consider is what you eat. So last night I came in and had two scrambled, sorry, two poached eggs on toast. So I've got the protein-rich eggs. Um, I could have drizzled out with a bit of olive oil as well to get some good fats in, but I didn't last night. And then you've got the carbohydrate from the sourdough bread. And what the protein will do is slow the absorption of the carbohydrate. So my blood sugar won't have been hugely spiked right after that uh, that exercise session. Um, So I did the workout, I did the breathing, I did the cold shower, and then I had the uh, poached eggs on toast. Um, And and that's another important point around blood sugar. It's going to be tricky to get to sleep if your blood sugar is very elevated. So something that is slow release energy Um, that that lifts your blood sugar, but not hugely is also really relevant when it comes to getting into the parasympathetic dominant nervous system state, but, but getting ready for sleep basically. So you haven't had this huge hit of energy with the corresponding drop. Um, And then the last thing I would mention on this is don't then go into an action movie or the 10 o'clock news or checking your bank balance or a uh, lively discussion with your partner or with someone on the phone, because the whole point around getting yourself ready for sleep is to stay in that parasympathetic nervous system state, to be relaxed, to be chilled out. So whatever you do next, just to cap off your evening, make sure it's relaxing. Stay away from that excitatory stimulus, your phone being one example, the news being another, and just try and do something like reading a book or spending a bit of time with your pets or your children or your partner and have more of a relaxing End to the day. That's going to be absolutely paramount. So I hope that's been helpful. I'd love to hear your feedback on this. What works for you? What doesn't? I always enjoy getting those emails and and comments on social media. So do keep that up. Please feel free to share this with anyone you think would benefit from it. And I just want to say that don't feel bad if you do exercise late at night, just because it's not physiologically the best time. The best time is the time that you can fit it in. But if you do exercise late, what I've just given you are some really great tips for ensuring that it doesn't impact your sleep. And you get all the recovery, the good, deep, anabolic sleep offers so that you can get those physiological adaptations that you're exercising for as well, as, I suppose, as the mental health benefits. So that's everything from me. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you're well. Stay healthy. Talk to you next week. If you'd like to find out more about what we do for companies, head over to our website, bodyshopperformance.com. You'll also have the opportunity while you're there to take our health IQ quiz. So if you'd like to find out more about how you sleep, your mental health, your energy, your body composition, digestive health and your overall fitness for the rigors of life, take our short health IQ quiz and get a highly personalized report at the end. That's over there at the website, bodyshotperformance.com.